Allison Pease, Associate Provost for Institutional Effectiveness at John Jay College. Welcome to Season 6 of our Distinguished Teaching Prize podcast interviews, in which we celebrate innovative, student-centered teaching and learn from the college's most distinguished faculty. In today's episode, I have the honor of interviewing for a second time Associate Professor of Communication and Theater Arts, Gregory Donaldson. You've been teaching for 54 years. You are one of three people at the college to have won this prize more than once. We hold two-time winners to a higher standard because they have to show that they've grown and continue to develop as teachers since winning the prize. What does winning the prize this second time mean to you? It's very gratifying. It's, um, you know, usually you wind down and your, um, your star kind of dims as you sort of fade out the door. But this is kind of, uh, you know, like winning a championship ring uh, uh, belt in your last fight or something. You know, it's like a World Series in your last season. So it's, um, it's wonderful to be recognized or, for something that you um, hold dearly and take a lot of pride in. It, it couldn't be better. That's all I can say. Can I ask you about that? Um, what continues to motivate you to improve and be as great as you are? <laughs> well, um, great is a, is a strange word, but um, I, I was thinking about that. And I think um, there's a couple of, um, personality characteristics that I have, and then some just things that have developed over the years. One of the things is I, I'm a bit of a, um, uh, uh, it runs in my family and they're kind of in my kind of, um, lineage, actually, um, the Irish side of my, um, background. And, you know, we talk a lot and, uh, I, um, I quite often, uh, uh talk of my own exploits. I remember my father was he won the Soldier's Medal of the World, bravery above and beyond the call of duty, not against the enemy. He saved some men in a truck that overturned in the canal um, after in Belgium during the Battle of the Bulge. And uh, he was always talk about it. He would always tell what he did, what he didn't do, um, who he saved and who he couldn't save and, and all those things. And people used to come up to me in his hometown of Atlantic City and tell me, your father was a great hero in the war, but he'll never let us hear the end of it. And, you know, if I was big enough, I would have. Uh, punched them out. But that's not what he was. He was talking about life. He was talking about his, um, you know, what he could do and what he hoped to do and all these things. And I do that a lot. And so I'll talk about something I want to do that I'm going to do that I believe I can do. And then I have to do it because I told everybody I was going to do it. Like I, I hitchhiked to California in 2016 when I was 70. And uh, one of the reasons I did is because I was bragging about doing it for so long and then I just had to do it. And so that's one aspect. The other aspect is that it kind of boils down when you get to be this age, kind of boils down to some real basics. And the thing that I do best in my life is this. It's Mm -hmm. the most, it's the thing I can contribute the most with. And it's the thing that I've realized that I actually have the most talent for. And so um, when you know that, you have to kind of serve that in yourself. And when you serve it in yourself, you have to get as good as you possibly can or else it kind of turns on you. And that's what I do. So every time I hear of a teacher doing something or I think of an idea that I might have or there's another step I can go uh, deeper into it, I do it. 
You're a dramatic actor, and you've talked in the past about how you use space in the classroom to engage students. What kinds of changes have you had to make during the pandemic? And what have you learned about this digitally enhanced teaching experience? Well, I found it fascinating. Um, first of all, I was very intimidated. I'm, I'm not a technologically uh, adept, and uh, I was concerned. I, I don't even really use Blackboard you know, CUNY first, and I can just put the grades in. I don't use them extensively. And uh, now I was going to have to do everything online. So I actually got a tutor to teach me how to do it. Uh, someone at the central office um, volunteered and helped me out. And so then I started. And so it was very similar to starting teaching for the first time. Mm. And it was also... Uh, instructive because I felt nervous and I and then I could sort of feel that the students are nervous as well not only they were freshmen was my first group that I met and um, they were Apple Corps students and uh, and so we kind of shared a lot there and as I started to teach I started to realize that the um, the, the, the venue or the genre or whatever it is has great advantages first of all I could see all their faces on the screen Right. Mm -hmm. And then I had their names underneath. So I knew their names immediately. Mm -hmm. And so usually it takes me about a week or two weeks to learn everybody's name. I knew everybody's name right away. Uh, not only that, uh, and I really strongly stressed that they should have their faces visible so I could connect to them. Um, secondly, I could, uh, I found I could put people on spotlights that I could uh, put myself on a spotlight that I could put people into breakout rooms that I could do all of these different things and for instance, we had outlines in our public speaking class I was teaching. And the outlines are really the spine of this class because it has to be well-researched, it has to be meticulously organized, thoughtfully, and it has to be logical and impactful. And so you have to get the outline right. And, and it's a lot of heavy lifting for the teacher because you have to mark the first draft and the second draft. And so I had three or four students in the class who were really good at the outlines. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put them in a breakout room. And I'm going to call that room the mechanics room. Mm -hmm. And when the students would come to me with an outline, I'd say, take it to the mechanics. Take it to the mechanics room. And then they would go in that breakout room. And these uh, students would help them. And you could hear them arguing. You have to throw everything out. This is garbage. They're <laughs> fighting it out in the, in the breakout room. And uh, then other students wanted to get into the breakout room. Uh -huh. And they say, I mean, the mechanics room. They're like, can I be a mechanic? I say, let me see your outline. Do you qualify to be a mechanic? And so um, all of these kind of dramatic techniques lent themselves to the screen. And then when I taught the theater classes and I could put someone to do, Allison, I was thinking to you the other day, if you could have seen, you know, a, a Naomi Rodriguez, you know, she's kind of a quiet girl in the class in my drama 225 class. Each student has to do the Shakespearean uh, Macbeth's monologue tomorrow, 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 and it ends in uh, signifying nothing. Mm -hmm. Life is full of sound and fury signifying it. Now we have this 19-year-old young woman in her room at home, mm -hmm. staring into that camera with a gloomy background behind her, feeling every moment tomorrow and tomorrow. And it was, and people are writing in the, in the chat as she's doing it, chilling. I can't take this. Right. There's something about the intimacy of your own space. There's something about that that really works. I had one student 
who I, I encourage them to use their own language if they speak Urdu or if they speak uh, Spanish, that, um, you know, significa nada. I want to mm-hmm. hear some of your own words in there. I want you to respect your own legacy, your own culture, your own background, the words and the feeling. And so I had a student the other day and she, she got up there. Her name is Uwamu uh, Kolabli. And she speaks French. And she got up and she had the background with a draped dark curtain behind her. And she must have had some kind of a vaping machine because she was blowing smoke as if she oh, was wow. smoking or something. And she yeah. said, Dimon. And in the end, when she said, you know, everybody was like, nobody could even speak. Yeah. And, and I've called in people. I called in the provost from New York City Technical College. I called in professional actors to watch this. And it is, I would just say, Allison, it's freaking unbelievable what they can do. And... <laughs> Um, <laughs> isn't All that right. fun? So, so I'm, I'm going to summarize. You've learned to work with the medium. You use its strengths. In your, in your teaching portfolio, you talk about raising the stakes for students as a way to bring them in. How do you do this? Well, I, I think we've talked about this before, and I don't want to be redundant, but I, I, first of all, it's person. The, the the kind of method I use is I try to find something, I don't have to try, you can see it's obvious, something in, in each one of the students, some kind of a flair for insight, some kind of a leadership quality, something that they are that is valuable, that glows within them. I spot it, I publicize it, and I demand that they give it full exposure and, and, and they go for it. And so um, that, that's raising the stakes. This is your life. This is not just a class. This is where you're gonna find something in yourself that is gonna generate your momentum in life. This is what you do, you know? And I have, I've had students, they're on their way to be police officers and one of them is now she's on there going to graduate school in journalism because mm-hmm. I could see that ability. She was brave. She was clear. I could just see her on the news and leading a a, a deep story into, um, you know, the influence of this or that. And so I think the raising the stakes that this is not just a credential you're trying to get or a hoop you have to jump through, but this is your opportunity to find yourself. And I asked the students, what do you like best about the class? And they said, I like best about the class that it helped me find myself. range of your teaching is really interesting. So not only do you teach freshmen, say, about public speaking or criminal justice and theater, but you teach the NYPD police leadership program. Right. What, what do you shift about yourself or your teaching when you approach a class of New York City police officers? Um, well, it's really interesting. They are very high ranking. They're captains and up. And mm-hmm. so the, they have very uh, stressful uh, jobs, and they're really good at what they do. And also the room is incredibly diverse. When you used to see a whole bunch of uh, Irish mafia, now you're basically seeing every single kind of person you could see in there, and which is really wonderful. What you change, what I change about myself is, I have kind of a unique background um, coming to John Jay. Uh, 
and what I did before and what I, you know, kind of what my specialties are. I was a reporter. I was a teacher all along. I've always taught, but I figured I wanted to have other venues, avenues of experience. And so I began to write actually after I got brokenhearted after my wife ran off with a French filmmaker, I, uh, started to write magazine articles and newspaper articles and send them in. And everyone I wrote, they printed. And so I started to become write and write for magazines and newspapers. And then I got a job as a kind of what they call a stringer for New York Newsday. And I was in the streets and I wrote a book in which I spent two years in the backseat of a police car riding with the police in Brownsville, Brooklyn to write a book. And so I am extremely well-versed in what police officers do. A lot of my friends are police officers. I come from a town, Levittown, Long Island, in which people go right into the police force. Um, it's a kind of a blue collar town. And I talk like cops. I look like cops. I act like a cop. We have a lot in common, except for the fact that I'm a raging progressive. And they're not, and mm -hmm. um, quite often. And so uh, I emphasize our connection, and then I emphasize what I can do for them. I, I tell them I can, in one hour today, I can give you a skill that is gonna make your professional and your academic and personal life that much more successful. And I prove it, I can do it. I can tell them how to look at audience in the eye. I can teach them how to use vocal variation. I can teach them to do all these things that, and they see it right away. And you know they're nothing if not ambitious and uh, we get along great. Those who are listening to you or who know you may think that you rely on your charisma and energy to stimulate students and that this might not have any bearing on the quality of student work produced in your classes. What about your teaching encourages and increases the quality of student work? Well, uh, it's a great question because if in fact it was just a um, three ring circus and a show, and, uh, and I've seen teachers do that. I've seen teachers rely on their personality to get through the day and uh, leave the students uh, with um, not as much as they should get. So I, you have to kind of choreograph your course so that it's scaffolded in a way that students can gain the things that they came to get and that you know they can use. So for instance, when we, uh, in my drama 225 class. Well, you could talk about, you know, famous cases or whatever. I want them to read Shakespeare because I feel as if there's a need for that in the John Jay students. There's a need for them to have that um, um, versatility, that facility with language, that being immersed in Shakespeare's metaphors and um, unique and special language can do. And so we go over that play two, three times. Every day they have to come in with quotes. They have to explain the quotes. The test that I give is not on the not on the plot. This is just a simple plot, you know, guilt, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it's all about the language. And I, I devise um, ways in which the language, they can be immersed in that language. Then I give them writing assignment. One of the writing assignments is to compare the character of Macbeth to the character of 50 Cent in this, in this rap song many men and you have to the uh, paper has to be organized exactly the way i ask you to organize it the opening paragraph has to have your thesis that they're either similar or dissimilar there has to be at least three categories of comparison and you have to proceed through them schematically 
So you're immersed in the language, number one. Number two, you're learning a schematic for writing an essay or, or a short paper like this, and we do it over and over again. Uh, I make them reread the paper. After I mark the paper, they have to write a short paper on what I said on their paper. They have to respond to it, what I about the commas, the semicolons, the use of words, et cetera, so that they're, uh, once again, that they're going through this process. So the goal is that they can, a better facility with language, a better way to organize their own thoughts and to express their own thoughts in writing. And then number three, the confidence that they have gone to the highest level in, uh, in reading, et cetera, so that the next thing is much easier. So there is a carefully scaffolded series of experiences that they go through that leaves them uh, more prepared at the end of it than they were in the beginning. And the uh, bells and whistles are just in service of that movement. So this raises another question for me. About the use of the word rigor, um, rigor seems to be coming up a lot these days. I've noticed at this stage in the pandemic, faculty are very concerned about what they see as a relaxing of standards or what are some, some are saying lack of rigor. Um, others are arguing that rigor is an outdated word. Um, it's an approach to teaching that tends to privilege busy work and, and sort of middle-class punch lists, if you will rather than learning. That's another way of looking at it. What does rigor mean to you? Where do you come down in this? Um, it, I think it's pretty simple for me is that, well, our students have a very wide range of what their preparation is and what the level they're at. So where they are. So rigor for one is not rigor for another. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, I will find a student who is uh, woefully prepared. And right away I'm adjusting, you might say I'm adjusting the rigor down, but no, what I'm doing is creating a special scaffold for that student so that they can move step by step by step up to a, a higher level. I have an advanced student, and once again, you know, I'm thinking graduate school, they have to go to, and we're dealing on a completely different level. So you're really playing, you really got a lot of different balls in the air. And my definition of rigor is that you're pushing each student beyond their comfort level in a series of different ways so that they can move on. Now, does it reach an outside imposed standard of some kind? Um, I don't pay much attention to that. Um, I just see that I'm going to move these students forward. Um, and that's rigor. And I think also in terms of rigor, professors should really think about themselves. How much work are they willing to put in? Because it's not fun to, uh, you have a theater class and a lot of professors would be loath to uh, assign writing assignments because that's gonna be, you know, every, every I get a hundred papers, they take me, you know, 25 minutes, 20 minutes each to write, you do the math. And so, um, you cannot avoid that. You have to do that. That's, that's like if you're a ballet dancer, that's like bar work. You have to do that work as a professor. That's the rigor I think about. What surprises you about your own teaching at this point in your career? The joy that I get at. It's like, wow, I don't want to get off the, the Zoom call. Neither do they. I'd love you to come sometime. It's ridiculous. You know, the class is over and, you know, we're still 
you know, talking about different issues and the connection is, they're a primary connection to me. I get my um, reinforcement, my gratification out of their growth. And then I bring students in, graduate students or students from other classes come in to visit and talk and my New York Times reading club and my great books reading club, we just had the meeting, we're reading Madame Bovary. Um, those are, um, you know, high, that, that surprises me that I'm still uh, excited and, and joyful about it. Uh, and it also another thing interests me. My, uh, and I just finished a book called Bloody Instruction about my teaching career. You know, I started off teaching it uh, uh, to avoid the Vietnam draft. I started teaching in elementary school in Brooklyn and then moved on to junior high. All the toughest kids in the school in one room, you know, gang members, everybody been thrown out of school. Then I went on to teach in prisons and I went on to teach and I was always in neighborhoods of color. And um, I became, uh, that was basically my signature connection. And, uh, but that is, you know, it's still, I, I like to um, cross those kinds of lines and be able to communicate with everybody. But my students are from Bangladesh. I have three students that are coming to talk about their papers out to my house in Long Island for a retreat just for the day tomorrow. Um, and they're all from, uh, one's from Pakistan, and two others are from India. And so uh, I, I'm just uh, delighted with the diversity and the ability to connect across all of those different lines. Because I had the privilege to interview you before, one of the things that you said in that interview that really has stuck with me is that students need to be profoundly challenged. And we talked about it in the context of um, an overnight reading of, of Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Right. Um, and I wonder, have you found a way during the pandemic to create a similar kind of challenging experience or peak experience for students? A couple of things I've done that really worked that I don't think they quite match the overnight reading because we were going to do it overnight on Zoom, but that could get really weird. <laughs> I mean, <because> you, <laughs> you're like in somebody's house, you know, it's like, and it's so interesting. I see some student there muted one day and I'm like, what's the matter? You're low energy today? They're like, no, my whole family's sitting around the table with me. You know, right. it's like, you, you, you know, those kinds of crazy things. But the thing that really works is, um, it's not as extreme as the overnight, but debates. I'll have all of a sudden in my New York Times reading, we'll have an issue of, you know, um, so what if we have a new gun uh, gun unit uh, called neighborhood safety, which is kind of a reincarnation of street crime and anti-crime units. They kind of do get guns off the street and they do decrease crime, but they often lead to abuses in terms of profiling uh, racial profiling and that kind of thing. And so I'll immediately put two people on spotlight. Boom, they're up there. You take one position, you take the other position. And um, um, and so the debates really work. Uh, other things that are really interesting, when I have a student give a, um, an, a monologue, I have one of my students that is a kind of, we improvise, she's at uh, Variety Magazine in Los Angeles. And I call her up and say, Emily, um, we just had the performance. You're out there in L.A. What's it like? What's the weather? She's like, oh, it's mm. beautiful. And I say, well, tell me what you thought. She'll say, mesmerizing. We're blah blah blah. She gives the review of the performance supposedly from L.A. And so <laughs> it really creates this um, uh, energized wave of, of things. But to answer your question, 
I still have yet to, I was thinking what we would do an all night movie session, in which we watch New York movies, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, um, uh, you know, Taxi Driver, uh, you know, uh, all the different uh, great movies, um, King of Comedy, et cetera. So um, I was thinking of doing something like that because they really crave those out of the box experiences. You know, what I would say to the teachers is you have to set up a system, you know, your system, like I have the, the Macbeth, go, you know, whatever it is. And then one, you, you don't have to make a lot of decisions. You know your system works. And then you, you pump your students into the system. And that gives you enough freedom and energy to make these kind of individual approaches to students because you're not worried about the material. Material's set. You got the good material. So that's just one thing. That, and then... To emphasize, and I think I said it about finding that thing. So many of these students don't have anyone in their life who values their unique gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, some do, and you can feel it in their confidence and their you know, joy, but some don't. Many don't. And mm -hmm. that's where you come in. And the other thing, the other metaphor, too many professors think they're like Amazon. They're going to come up to someone's stoop and drop the package and drive away. <laughs> And actually, it's more like the students are on a carousel and they're moving. You have to time it and get on that carousel with them and give them the gifts that you're supposed to give them, moving with their flow, knowing their culture, knowing their ways of learning, knowing their um, uh, uh, their potentials. And, and also, once you get a really, really good students, which I've had, and I read about it in my book, uh, that, that I know these students can't tell me they can't do it because I know you can because I've seen it done. And so they say, oh, I can't read a big book like that. And I say, yes, you can. And you will. You'll read the book, the whole book, and nothing but the book. So help you God. And then <laughs> when I say things like that, they're like, damn, but at least it's interesting and it keeps the ball rolling. Gregory Donaldson, two-time winner of the John Jay Distinguished Teaching Prize. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, Alice. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.